It's borderline. Yes, sir. Hi, everybody. You know, it is Aloha. amazing. Even even though we just do this show once a week, I was just thinking today. I don't know if you ever have this thought, but it's amazing to me how fast this show comes up. It's it's once a week, but once yeah. it drops on Thursday, all of a sudden, you know, Thursday is, you know, we normally record on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Yep. So we get a little bit busy, drops on Thursday. And then all of a sudden, it's time. Uh, Friday, Friday's always a busy day work-wise, then the weekend's here. And then, yeah, we, we get on the phone and what do you want to do? Yeah, everyone, everyone's so funny about it. Like, well, how like how far out do you get your guests? And I'm like, ah, a day? Yeah. We've talked about a lot of people for a long yeah. time. And it's just, you know, it kind of depends on what's going on and the tournament schedules, blah, 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 all that stuff. But yeah, it's not like we've got them lined up for weeks out. That's okay. We've got I, our own. Routine. I like it. I like it this way. So. Well, one of the reasons why that I like to do it this way is because mm -hmm. it, that way it stays relevant. That that way we are like like last week we could bring on Noah Wooten. Noah is a huge sports fan, big college sports fan, big basketball fan. So we could do Final Four, have fun, and also talk some cornhole. So when you know if we were to book weeks out in advance, maybe sometimes we'd miss right. You know, on somebody. So <clears throat> yeah, we try to we try to keep it somewhat relevant. Yeah, <laughs> we we we, we do our best to keep it relevant. Speaking of basketball, real quick, my bracket, my bracket is done, man. I mean, literally, I sh I got a shredder over here for all my real estate stuff. In the shredder, they went all three of them. I uh, I thought about you because I'm going to be honest. I stopped watching that game. Wasn't Kansas up? They were up at some point in the second half, right? Yeah, we. I think we got up. Maybe we were up. We were up six or eight. Yeah, I think it was eight. We were, no, at, at halftime. I think we were up eight at halftime. Yeah, and it seemed like to me they were in control, but I was going back and forth because yeah. there were so many games on. And I was like, ah, I'm not even worried about that game because I've got <laughs> Kansas going a long way in my brackets too. I was like, ah, they'll be fine. And then started watching something else with Julie, went back to it. Actually, I went on, went on my phone onto ESPN.com, you know, right there. I was like, no way. I was like, man, Jeff's got to be so boned. Yeah. Can't win them all. Tough, you know? tough to be, tough to be like you and I talked on the phone this week. Tough to be, you know, really truly bummed out about it, um, because yeah. we won it last year. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm happy about that. Won it in 2008. So at least we got a couple over the last 10 or 15 years. It, it's really yeah. hard. It's really hard to win. And then, like you and I talked about, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but you know, imagine imagine Clemson having to go and take on Alabama in a national, you know, semifinal without Dabo Sweeney, right? Or or, or vice versa without Nick Saban on the sideline. I mean, right. Bill Self wasn't able to go. And, uh, that, I mean, I, I think so, I think maybe more so in the college ranks, even then in the NFL mm -hmm. coaching matters, coaching matters. And you know what and, it is? And, and, and you, these guys make constant adjustments on the sidelines that nobody sees. So without Bill self, it was going to be tough. But that being said, we didn't play, we didn't play very good. Anyway. And coaches like that instill confidence in their kids. The kids look to them yes. and they feel better. You know, it, it, it's not even about the X's and O's sometimes. It's not even about the adjustments. It's like, all right, Arkansas is making a run, timeout. They go in the huddle. They look at Bill Self. They feel calm. You know, even if he's screaming at them, they calm back down. They get refocused, and then they get that sense of belief again. You don't have that in the huddle. All of a sudden, that anxiety kind of starts to ratchet up, and then you take it with you back on the floor. And, yeah. you know, you, you see it all the time when coaches right. have to take that little sabbatical. So it's, that's, yeah. that's a tough one. 
So I'm bummed, obviously, that they lost. But, man, how much fun has it been to watch? I mean, geez, just all the upsets. And some of these teams that are just that are playing so well, like Farley Dick- or Fairley Dickinson, yeah. so much fun to watch the smallest team in college basketball and just firecrackers running around. I mean, we we all just loved watching them play. Yeah, it's it's one of the few sporting events that always delivers. Yeah. You know, the Super Bowl might be a bad game from time to time. World Series – you know, sometimes it's a four-game sweep, yada, 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 you know, pick and choose whatever sporting event you want. But the NCAA tournament, especially the first weekend, always delivers. Always, yeah. always, always. So good. So good. You know, I was just thinking of when you were talking is that, um, not to switch it to cornhole so quickly, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, you know, these guys go back in the huddle and you have your teammates to rely on to pump mm-hmm. you up. And you have your coaching staff, you have assistant coaches or your head coach to pump you up and give you that confidence. And I think that's another thing that makes sports like cornhole that it's just, it's just pretty much, even in doubles, it's Mm -hmm. you're pretty much out there by yourself, but you are, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're out there on national TV playing cornhole in a singles event, there's nobody, there's nobody to talk to. There's nobody to consult. There's no coach. There's no teammates. Um, That makes it so difficult. It is such a mental I think I think that's why I think that's because I played the only thing that I played at a high level when I was younger was tennis, and it was super hard for me. Yeah, I I was a much better doubles player than I was a singles player because I'm not sure I was tough enough mentally as a singles player because you are you are all alone out there. It's tough, and I was never on national TV. I can't imagine being on national TV and being alone. That's why I feel so bad watching sometimes, and it's a singles match, right? And you're watching it. And someone's just having a bad game yes. and you see it and you just want to go out and give them a hug and say, you know, it's okay, but you can see it spiraling downhill. Yeah. Right. And, and you can just see it in their face and you know what's going on in their head. And it's just like, Oh man, can you just, it's, it's okay. Just, just deep breath, yeah. relax. And you watch it because there is no one else. There is no teammate that you can defer to. There is yeah. no coach you can go to that can draw up something to kind of get things going again. I mean, you're, you're out there on your own, and when it starts going south, it is – and that's what makes the greats great in our sport, just like any other sport. The ones Agreed. that, hey, yeah. I had two bad rounds. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. This round starts anew. And Like, those like even in golf, people. even in golf, you've got your caddy, right? I mean, Jordan Spieth probably relies on the confidence and and teamwork with mm-hmm. his caddy more than anybody. Yeah. Um, but So at least you have a caddy. In Cornhole, you're truly on an island. I mean, yeah, it's just- and it's tough. I mean, I, it's, I mean, even like, even in doubles, it's almost as if when you're playing bad, it's almost even worse because now, you know, you're letting someone else down besides yourself. Yes. You know, and it's, yeah, yeah, I, I I give him credit, man. I mean, that's brutal to be out there, especially when you know, and you've played, even if you played anything, any type of game recreationally, you can tell when it's not there, right? You can tell. Like, man, I like, you know, we're terrible golfers, right? We go out there and there's some days like, Hey, I'm hitting it pretty well. For me, right? And then there's other days where you're like, man, I'm lucky if one of these balls gets in the air today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and you and you just know it. And yeah. I, I like when those guys go and girls go through that in cornhole. Like the ones that can fight through it, it's so cool to me to watch because how do you do that? How do you mentally calm yourself down knowing that you don't have your A game, knowing it's not there, but you find a way to battle? That's that's what I love about it. Well, we've got a great guest today, and before we get to him. Um, it's so great to hear from people who listen to the show. 
Um, if you ever want to hit us up seriously with a question on uh, Facebook, and we don't we don't do much with our Facebook page, but but reach out to Bernie or reach out to me on Facebook or or Instagram. Just just DM yeah. us or whatever if you have any questions because um, I don't think he'll mind me mentioning his name. But we got we got a you know we we've spent a lot of time here on the show talking about the we, Trey, Trey. What was it? About? I think it was just before the start of last year. I think is when we really started talking about um, all time career leaders and wins right. because I'm, I remember my first year or two on the air with Trey, you know, when they would mention a certain player as the all time winningest player, me and David Harris, our producer from ESPN and Tom Cavanaugh, the guys behind the scenes, you know, we'd be like, okay, is there any way we can quantify that? Like, can we, can, what does that mean? When you say that Matt guy is the all time winningest player, um, you know, or Jamie Graham is, or, you know, or, uh, you know, whoever, what, what does that mean? So Trey, before the start of last year, put together, you know, they figured out what would qualify as a, as a career win, you know, uh, the shootouts and the nationals and, and whatnot. So, so that's how we came up with this list. It's an awesome list. But as you and I have been talking about, the sport has kind of changed. And, mm-hmm. and so how do we categorize these wins? And so, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. Because is it fair to put Matt Guy at number one? when the kids nowadays have many more opportunities than some of the older players ever had. So that, that's kind of been our discussion. But yeah. so Co- Cody Schaefer reached out to us on Facebook. Great message. And he said, uh, hey, Jeff, I'm an ACL director and aspiring ACL pro. Was listening to Borderline. And my opinion on the ACL titles is that they should take a page from golf and separate the titles. Opens and pro shootouts should be regular season wins but then mm-hmm. nationals and world champions could be considered major wins so you take matt guy for example he would have 18 career wins but 11 time major winner he yep. said if i have those numbers correct which i think he does he said i'd love to hear your uh, your guys thoughts on that system so cody thank you so much for uh for reaching out on facebook and i i, I love that idea and bernie i think you've actually touched on that i think it's a great idea yeah i, th- I think what we should do is separate like opens for example is all right, let's use the golf analogy, right? So you have your majors, you've got the Masters, US Open, British Open, and PGA Championships. Those are the big four. And then we have our World Championships. So that's five that stand alone, right? Completely another level of competition. I think the shootouts are an even, like, because there's only eight, and then you have your championships, and it's worth a lot of money. I think it's different than an Open. I, I think... There's nothing wrong with winning opens. I'm not bashing opens. Everyone thinks I bash opens. I'm not. It just, to me, as an as a personality with the ACL and watching how people perform, it's just not the same level. It's not this. You can tell when the truly elite of the sport bear down, and they'll and sometimes they do do that in opens and they win. But then you see some of these folks that are like open warriors, right? They just they just crush it in opens. They max out their points. And then they get to nationals and, you know, they, they barely make it halfway through their bracket before they're mm-hmm. out. You know, it's just a different level of competition. And the shootouts is different because, you know, it's round limited. I was trying to think of a golf analogy. It's, it's uh, you know, th- there's a certain number of tournaments that kind of stand above the regular tournaments, right? The Players' Championship, for example, Right. Is considered another level, even though it's not a major. You have you just it's, have certain. It's like, the, it's like the fifth major is what the memorial, saying. for example. Jack's tournament is considered a higher level. You have more yeah. of the world's top twenty playing than just say you know the the Milwaukee Open or whatever. You know, it's not a knock on those opens. It's just it's a different level of competition. Right. And so I, I think you have the opens, and I think you have the shootouts, 
And then I think you have the nationals and the world championships that, you know, it, in that way, but golf still does it. I mean, when you look at total wins, it includes all of it. You know, Tiger's tied with, is it Sam Snead? We were talking about this earlier. I can't remember. Sam Snead, 82, I think 82, is what it is. 82, they're tied yeah. for total number of wins. But then you look at majors and Jack Nicholas at 18, and yeah. we were talking about it. I mean, 19 times he finished second. 118. Did, that is crazy. Saw, I have, top, I have, top three, like 36 times. I mean, that yeah. dude could have uh, unreal. Unreal. 19 times finishing second. That's that's just incredible. So, I mean, think about that. You win 18, a shot here and there, he could have 30 plus majors. Yeah. <laughs> that's insane. I know, right? A, 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 putt, a putt here or there. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say that about his wins, too. So, I guess it kind of cancels out. But, man, that's insane. Yeah. So how so how would you? We've only got a couple minutes here before um, our guests, but so how would you divide it then? Would you would you include the shootouts then with the? Because I'm not sure we could have three categories. I think that would yeah. be too confusing, right? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, or, or I think maybe we'll I call think it something you, different. Maybe we'll I think that it, you have to classify the nationals on their own level. You know, obviously you have total wins, too, which yeah. is great. I mean, the, but the nationals and the and the world championships have to be considered another level higher and it's not a knock on the opens. It's not, but see shootout championships. I mean, you're winning a lot of money. If you win the shootout championship, that has to be considered the sixth major, if you will, it, it maybe that's our version of the players championship, right? Because yeah, it's, it's a whole nother level of pressure. Yeah. And it's a whole nother level of money. Yeah. And that's, that's something the pros kind of forget about. There's a lot of money in that. And they kind of, some of them, not all of them, but some of them kind of overlook that's round limited. doesn't matter. It's like, I don't know, man. It's a lot of money in there. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of money to be won. So it matters. But yeah, I, the opens are great. And then, I mean, you know, look, you can, you, it, it does have a lot of parallels with golf because certain opens are different than others. I mean, you look at the one in Winter Haven where you had so many of the world's best players there. And then you have other opens where you might get half of that number at that mm-hmm. open. And so it's different. It, it carries different weight. I think the players know that, though. Yeah. But as far as, how you quantify number of wins and the importance of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always, like we've discussed, I've always thought there has to be some sort of asterisk between the players that competed before the open era and the players that competed after the beginning of the open era. Yeah. Yeah. The open era. I like that. I like, I like the way that that, that, that sounds, I, you know, I might, I might actually talk to Trey about when we're talking about all time, you know, career titles, maybe we'll, maybe we'll kind of start to, to, maybe skewed a little bit the way that Cody was saying. I think we you have know, to. Yeah, yes, yes, he's number one. I mean, like, for example, Matt and Jamie tied for all-time career titles. But then let's also talk about our major winners. You know, who's who's number one on that list? I think you have to that, because it's – Yeah, I think that's relevant. I think it's – That's a different level of competition completely. Yeah. Yep. All right, you ready for our guest? Absolutely. Um. Again, Bernie and I were talking this week, and we're like, we're like, you know, who have we talked to? We got to get this guy. As soon as you mentioned him, I'm like, yes, yeah. for sure. So again, there's so many terrific players in this sport, and uh, appreciate, um, you know, that's something I've talked about on this podcast before. Is that in college football? When I'm broadcasting college football, college basketball, you just don't have the access to players. You just don't, and, and yeah. even to coaches. You know, we'll do a conference call maybe during the week if they have time, but. You know, for us to be able to call up Noah like we did, or Trevor Brooks like we did, or Yeti like we did, you know, uh, you know, to be able to get Cheyenne on, you know, the top female player in the world, and to be able to call uh, the guests we're having on today, to have this access to our players is just is. I hope that never goes away. 
because yeah. I love being able to just call these people and get them on the show and and get their thoughts on it. Um, so again, one of our favorites um, in the game, uh, almost I believe almost a 15 year veteran of the sport of cornhole. So he's been wow. playing a long time. Uh, he is currently the defending seniors world champion. But for those who don't know, um, he is I I would say Bernie. He's still considered right the top airmailer in the game. If he's not the top, he's one of the top two or three. Yeah, and for those who didn't see it, I didn't see it, unfortunately, but but he had a memorable match a few years ago, hitting 21 of 22 airmails. I think he hit 15 straight. Uh, he used to practice them by by putting his grandkids across the board when they're little and shoot them <laughs> over the grandkids and hitting the airmails. But I'm telling you, he is one of the, he is he is remarkable to watch practice. We were in Mesa, I was watch, or in Scottsdale, I was watching him warm up for the pro shootout. Just airmail, airmail, airmail. How do you how do you do this? Incredible, yeah. but. Anyway, so happy to welcome to the show again, uh, uh, one of the great guys in this sport. Please welcome to Borderline for the first time, Jimmy McGuffin. What's up, Jimmy? Yeah, Thank Mary. You. Thanks for having me. Hey, we got you all hooked up. You look good. The, the sun <laughs> is gone from behind you, so we can actually see yeah. you now. This is good. <laughs> so, uh, hey, thanks so much no. for coming on. So, so you're actually, uh, you're a Kentucky guy, but it sounds like you might be transitioning to uh, warmer temperatures. Uh, yeah, I like this pretty well down here in Florida. It's, nice. <laughs> it's only like 82 right now here. Yeah. Oh, you don't, you, oh, you, don't yeah. you don't have that snow and that cold in the winter like you do in Kentucky? No, no, no. <laughs> it's been cold at home and that's why I've stayed here. Well, it's funny, Bernie, because Jimmy told me earlier on the phone, when we were trying to get everything connected. I, I think, I think you got this right, Jimmy. Didn't you say after the, after the, uh, event in Myrtle beach, you guys went down to Florida and just stayed been here ever since <laughs> and Smart. i don't know when i'm planning on going home <laughs> maybe when it's around 80 degrees at home <laughs> yeah, see you next yeah. summer kentucky i've i've had family members i've had family members who've lived down there and yeah after a while after a while you'll probably have have a hankering to get back up north to the to the uh little bit cooler temperatures all right, Jimmy. So we were just talking about this. Let's get your thoughts on this before we move on. So we, I, and you might've been able to hear what we were talking about. Um, you know, Trey did a terrific job just before the start of last year, put together this all time career wins list. And I'm sure you've heard us talk about it on the broadcast. Yes, sir. And, and right now, Matt guy and Jamie are tied for 18 career titles. However, um, we had a listener of the show who's also an ACL director bring up the point that maybe we should separate all time career titles from major winners national winners and and make that kind of its own category like they do in golf i, I mean bernie and i think it kind of makes sense so that, that would really kind of separate what matt guy has done what, what are your thoughts on the all-time career titles yeah that's uh that sounds good i mean you know you just for instance damon dennis you count up his titles that he has over everything mm-hmm. i mean he's one of the top he's got a lot of a lot of wins under his belt yeah. I mean, do do you feel like, to, like to Bernie's point, don't you feel like the nationals are a bigger deal and, and much harder to win? I mean, do, I mean, it, because, and you know, this is a great question for you because you've already won twice on the open tour on, on the senior open tour this year. But I mean, it, it, wouldn't you even say it's a bigger deal and, and harder to do on the national level? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, the opens, the opens are pretty tough. I mean, there's a lot of new talent and stuff coming up, but 
uh, you get every pro together, and it's uh, it's pretty tough to come out on top. And the TV I mean, factor, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, 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 do you give Damon Dennis some grief now because now that you're starting to beat him on the senior athlete? Like, so we in our tour for those at home that don't know, we do have a senior division, and Jimmy has kind of taken over. Well, he he took over the spotlight from Damon Dennis last year in the senior division. So, and, and being both Kentucky guys, do, do you rib him a little bit? Do you say, you know, new sheriff in town? No, nah, I mean he is older than I am, you know. <laughs> No, it's uh, I. I just got to keep throwing and take it while I can because it's not going to last long. He's going to be back. Switching bags, you know, we both switch bags this season, and it takes a little bit to get used to them bags. You know, it's different. Yeah, it's been strange seeing uh, seeing Damon Dennis throw with different bags. Yeah, How, how's the chance? So, you, so you're an ultra guy now. So, how's the switch gone? Uh. I like it. I mean, I found the, I, I like the Vipers. I mean, the Vipers are my favorite bag, but um, I, I like the bag. They're pretty nice. What? All right. So we were talking about it before we brought you on. And obviously your claim to fame is being, you're, you're, you're one of, if not the greatest airmail thrower of all time. What point were you playing cornhole and you were like, you know what? The heck was sliding it up the board. The board's just getting in the way. I'm just going to throw it in the hole. Like, how did that manifest itself with you? Because, I mean, I've watched you play a number of times, and if you don't feel right about your slide or whatever, you just throw air mitts, and you throw them at a high, high rate. I mean, how how did that come about? Uh, mainly, you know, like at home, the humidity. You know, we're playing outside a lot, so it gets sticky, and my bag just don't slide very good. So... I had to go to airmails and I thought I might as well just keep practicing them. You know, I figured if I could hit that hole, I could actually put that bag anywhere on the board I wanted to. So I just started practicing airmails and I was practicing in a bar one night and these guys was watching and I never had been there. And one, the night I went, one guy, the second time I went there, he's, he'd come over and talk to me. He said, yeah, last week we was watching you. He said, we're like, what's this guy doing? Throwing all them airmen. What's he doing? And he said, after that first night, he said, I told the rest of them, he said, I figured out what he's doing. And they said, what's that? And he said, he's going to start taking all of our money. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I, I mean, I never, I practiced more airmails than I ever practiced anything. So now I'm trying to practice sliding. <laughs> so for people out there who want to learn how to airmail, because you and I were talking earlier today, Jimmy, when, when people turn on the TV, they want to see greatness. And when they see you hit 10 airmails in a row or 21 out of 22 airmails, they can't do that at home. So how, how do you practice that? How do you recommend people practice it? Like, I mean, do you just literally throw hundreds of bags a day? Have grandkids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) literally. I mean, there's, I'm telling you, Jeff and Bernie, for the first, I know the first four years that I started playing, I played every day. If I didn't go somewhere and play, I threw it home every day for the first four years. I never missed a day. Wow. It might have been five years, but I know four years. I played every single day. I threw bags every single day. 
and I would try to throw at least 400. Wow. 400 bags a day. Okay. Um, do, do you feel like, I mean, while we're talking about this subject with, with airmail, I mean, do you, have you felt any pressure at all to change your game because the game has evolved so rapidly with so many younger players, um, and, and just the accuracy of the blocks. I mean, you and I talked about this earlier. I mean, just block after block, the roll shots, the cut shots. Um, I mean, does that affect you at all? Or is the airmail game just, just safe from all that? Well, I started trying to change. I try to change, start sliding more, you know, try to play a little smarter, but that wasn't working for me. So I went back to air mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people give you enough credit because a couple of years ago, well, what, year and a half ago, two years ago, you had a huge issue with your sciatic nerve. And anyone that's ever had an issue with that will tell you it's one of the most painful and debilitating things that you can have that people just can't see it. I mean, yeah. you're limping around, you're in a lot of pain, you're trying to, we're on concrete floors for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, and you're out there trying to compete while the game is changing, while all these kids are coming up with all these new shots, you're just trying to feel good. So the fact that you've come back after your surgery, you found yourself back to the top of the game, I mean, like, do you ever look in the mirror and say, man, that's pretty tough of me, I'm glad I was able to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, there was, I was ready to quit. I mean, I, I couldn't, it was hurting. I couldn't do it no more. And I mean, we went to Erie, Pennsylvania that day and me and Greg played in the um, doubles and I finished the doubles that day. And I, I went back to the room and they didn't have a tub to soak in or nothing. So I got in the shower and laid in the floor of the shower for two hours, just letting hot water hit me in the back. And it seemed to help, but I wasn't even able to play the next day in singles. I just, I couldn't. I remember. So what kept, what, what kept you going then? I mean, how did, how were you able to keep your career going? I just, I tried to battle out to the end of the season and then have that surgery. I didn't want to quit in the middle of the season. I wanted to finish. And, and I don't, I don't like to take medicine, so I don't take any pain pills or nothing like that. I just tried to tough it out. <laughs> Well, you can always give them to me if necessary. I used a lot of bio-freeze, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I should have bought stock in that. So how painful was, I mean, so how, how like, how did you know, because I have someone very close to me that's going through the same thing with a disc issue. So they did they just do a discectomy, take it right off the nerve, and then you felt better? Is, is that pretty much how that whole thing went? Or did you have a, a period of time, you know, to kind of get your strength back after the surgery? I had to, he didn't want me to do anything for two months, nothing. I mean, he didn't want me to do nothing, just let it heal. And I done what he said because I didn't want to go through it again. So he, he took some bone out and some tissue or something that was pressing on that nerve. And evidently he'd done a good job. That <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, sounds painful. Better. Yeah. Um, so glad that you're feeling better. Obviously it's made a difference in your game because all of a sudden now you are killing it again. So congrats on, on a great start to the year. All right. One more cornhole thing for you. Then I want to move on to, to kind of you and your, your, your history. And I know your dad was, was a big influence on you. And that, that's a, that's a great story as well. All right. Let's just put this to bed real quick. So with the new kids and the new game, I mean, we talk about this a lot on the show. You and I talked about this earlier today. Um, you've heard my take 
about um, I think we need to be careful on the direction of the game. I know there's not much we can do about it, but I'm just saying I, I just think we need to be careful. Um, what are your thoughts on on this this new style of play with the with the uh, you know more, more of the block block game? Uh, I mean, I understand what you're saying, and I I agree with you, but then again. I'm one of those that like to block. I mean, and I'm <laughs> I'm probably going to continue to block an airman. It's just I've always done that, and it's going to be hard to change. I can't slide as many bags in the hole as other people. I just I don't know. I get bored with it. <laughs> I got to block an airmail. And... That's so funny, Jimmy. Yeah. That, that's what every I mean, Bernie. How many players have 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 said that exact word? Bored. Bored. I get bored. I get bored when, with it. it. When it goes into them long rounds. I mean, them long games, it's, you kind of, I don't know, you, you kind of start losing focus. You look around. Because, see, that, that's so, that's so that. funny. Because it's so funny because Jeff's right. The average sports fan, right, they're flipping through the channels. They hit up ESPN. We're on there. They see, and Jeff's right, even though I, I, I hate it, but he's absolutely right on this. They see a person throw 24 bags straight. They go crazy. They can't believe it because they can't do that at home. Yeah. If they see a person shoot an airmail or a roll shot that doesn't work, because it looks bad on television when it doesn't work. I mean, an airmail that's off the back, you know, the person at home's going, well, you know, hell, I can do that. I mean, that's yeah. you know, what's so hard about that. Or, or they see a roll that kicks too far to the left and goes off the board. They're like, I mean, that's a profession. Like, they don't get exactly what's happening. Mm. But every single professional, every other analyst. Remember Anthony Ione, Jeff, when we had him on? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm going to sleep if I watch that. Absolutely, if, it's, if, yeah. if it's 20, if they, if both players throw 20 straight, I'm, I'm, I'm asleep. And I, it's so funny because the players get bored. Even, even some of the analysts get bored watching the slide game, but the average sports fan loves it. Absolutely. I love it. Like loves it. Jeff loves it. Loves it. <laughs> Absolutely. Jeff, giddy. I'm sorry. You're not going to see me slide that many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you throw 20 airmails in a row, that's insane. Well, that's I'm a whole other level. <laughs> I'm going back to the way I threw before. Good. I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I, I loved watching you warm up down in Arizona. I mean, you were hammering in airmails. I mean, did, just, I don't even know how many you hit in a row. And that, that, actually, that's a great example, Jimmy, because I'm sure you felt this, even though it was warm ups. You know, it was that crazy night down in Scottsdale. You were there early. You're warming up on the boards. You are flying in airmails. And what happened? You get people surrounding the court Absolutely. watching you because yeah. nobody can do that. They can't do what you do. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of people coming up. Why do you even try to put it on the board? Why do you throw at the board? <laughs> I don't know. It's, and then it's, it, it's an I absolute fact. Out down there. It, it's an absolute fact because I was off to the side kind of watching. And then, you know, we the, the way it was set up there, it was a, it was a cocktail party. A very nice big cocktail party. All of a sudden, Jimmy's practicing. and he's throwing airmails, and you can just see the people start to come over, and you can just watch them kind of drift over and watch because it's insane. I, I mean, it's truly insane. I mean, you've got professional athletes watching you do that, and they're in awe of that. Now, think about that. Someone that spent their whole life being good at another sport, being completely in awe watching you guys do that. I, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome to watch how all that took shape. Yeah, Jock and, and uh, Justin Turner, Jock Peterson and Justin Turner, they, they loved it. They was watching. 
when we was back in that room, we was practicing that way. And Jock, he couldn't get over how I was hitting there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just it just feeds into the point that I've made all the time. I mean, when they when they watch you guys play, whether it's on TV or in person, they want to see greatness, and yeah. that's truly greatness, Jimmy. I mean, no one, no, nobody else can do that. I mean, you have very few, you know, a handful of people in the world from twenty seven feet away who can do that at that consistency. It's it's amazing to watch. I just wore myself out there. I I played too much too too much before. <laughs> well, we didn't we didn't go on the air until like ten thirty local time. I mean that yeah. that's that. You I mean for all of us people who live on the East Coast, you know we're we're talking. I think it was a two hour difference that time of year. It was twelve thirty. You know twelve thirty yeah. a.m. So yeah, you were you were there pretty early practicing. We was the, You're right. We was the last game, so it was like eleven thirty. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah, you guys yep. were last. Yeah. And we well, had hey, to be so, there at eight o'clock that morning to do interviews. And, yeah, <laughs> long day for you guys. Long day. So, give me your thoughts overall, real quick, as we kind of transition on the sport of the game. Again, I think you're close to a 15 year veteran. Yes, like, at, at at what at what point did you start to feel this huge momentum take off for? For cornhole i mean was it was it during covid was it before like when did when did you finally you know say to yourself wow this is this i can't believe what's happening here uh covid was the the big time yeah during covid when it's i mean we played a lot of games on espn and i mean i know that helped it take off big time but um yeah, I, it's the biggest time was probably during COVID. That yeah, was, you uh, had you had a couple of big you had a couple of big performances in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you, you weren't you weren't going to say 2018, 2019 Arizona when you when you drugged Josh Lunsford to a doubles <laughs> national championship. Hey, Josh Lunsford <laughs> did really good that day. Yeah, shout, shout out Josh. I, see that was the, that <laughs> thing goes back to home. You know, it was we, they took us outside. And I'm thinking it's getting dark. When it gets dark at home, the boards get sticky. And I'm like, Josh, you know what's going to happen. He said, you do what you do. So that's why I decided to throw all airmails there. Yeah, and I love now it. there's times that I'm playing and I'll throw a bag and I look over at Trey and I'll try to slide around or something. I look over at Trey and he's going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> do what you do. Do what you do. I'm going and back. It sounds like, it. yeah, it sounds like you're going to be doing that more. All right, let's uh, let, let's transition here, Jimmy, to to your really kind of more of your life. I, I swear, one of these days, I'm going to start a podcast, whether it's with Bernie or or I don't know. Bernie's probably sick of me. I, I just want to start. I just want to. I, I came up with a really cool name for this podcast, calling it Fifty Fifty, because I recently turned fifty. Well, not so recently, but I'm going to say recently. <laughs> Me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just just things that we've learned throughout our life. I, I just think it's fascinating, and and I would love to because because things that I know now, if I had just um, known them 15, 20 years ago, you know, would have really helped. So I think it'd be really fun to put together some sort of old man podcast, yeah, where you kind of look back and and talk about what you've learned. But yeah. um, you know, I, I'd love to hear your story because your family. Uh, and really, your dad uh, was was such a significant influence um, on on you. And I don't think people realize that you you worked. Your dad passed away, I think, about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, but you worked alongside your dad and with your dad, I think, your whole life. So, I mean, what what did you learn from your dad, and and what did he teach you to become the man and and the athlete uh, and the and the competitor that you are? 
Uh, he, I mean, my dad taught us everything. He owned his own painting and sandblasting company, and that's what I've done for, I mean, I've been painting since I was 15 years old, so I've been painting 40 years. I mean, uh, he it wasn't just painting. I mean, if he thought we could do floors, he would bid on the floor. If he thought we could do ceilings, he'd bid on the ceilings. And if we didn't know how to do it, he'd have somebody there to show us how the first time. And after that, we knew how. I mean, he, we done everything. I mean, he taught us to do everything. And yeah, he's a, he's really missed. So was it work ethic? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, work ethic. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he got to be—he's he's, got to be missed because uh, you know, for those in the cornhole community, they're used to it. But for those at home, don't know this: the MacGuffins run deep at a tournament. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's there's fifteen car there's a caravan of MacGuffins yeah. going up and down through throughout the arenas. It's 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 awesome to watch because I mean that's that's pretty cool to have that tighten up tighten it a group. I if mean, that's, you if you go back and watch the Arizona clip of me and Josh, you'll hear somebody whistle real loud. And you'll hear them go, woo! <laughs> the first game, it was every time me and Josh threw. The last game, they'd had too much to drink, and it was every bag they went in the hole. But <laughs> that was my mom and dad. You can have your bag that goes in the hole. That was the first tournament they ever went to. I mean, they oh, wow. went to the big tournament. And they loved it after that. They go to my mom, she's, she goes to all of them. I mean, yep. If she can go, she's going, and she's going to the one in Texas, and so. What what I'm interested to know what like when you and your dad would be working, would you ever have conversations, or or was it just enough just to be together in the room? Uh, it was kind of hard working for dad. <laughs> dad didn't really work with us a lot. Me and my brother worked together every day. My dad was kind of you know he. When we come along, I, I worked with him the first several years, you know, me and him, and then my brother come along, and then my uncle joined in, and my dad was kind of the boss, and he never come around unless it was quitting time, and he wanted you to work longer. So it was a uh, you had to work. I mean, when when I was fifteen, we we was milking cows. We had eighty thousand pounds of tobacco. Plus, I worked for him in the summertime. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What, what would you say? We milk cows. We raised eighty thousand pounds of tobacco, and then I worked for him too in the painting company. For how, how do you raise eighty thousand pounds of tobacco? My mom, my wife, and my sister-in-law. After we got set, they took care of it through the summer, keeping the weeds out and keep, you know fertilizing it and everything. They'd done a lot of that, and then we done the cutting and housing it and stripping it. And dad got the money. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is our farms off when we bought them. So life has changed a lot. Yeah. I'm glad <laughs> more tobacco. <laughs> so I'm, I'm surprised the bags don't stick to your hands after dealing with that much tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. We had uh, 22, 23 acres of tobacco. You know, would you would you change anything though, Jimmy? Because you know, I, I was just I, just recently I've had a couple of conversations with Kathy, and we talk about growing up in the '80s, and you know things were different. And and not to be the old man, you know, get off my lawn guy, 
<laughs> but but you know, uh, I, I really looking back on it because you know we 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 have kids, we have five kids, and you know to see what they go through and what their life is like and what social media has done to them and always on your devices and I mean, oh, we constantly have to be entertained. Um, you know, I really, I really, I'd love to be younger, but. I wouldn't change a thing. I loved when I grew up. I loved that there were no cell phones. I loved that my brother and I could get on our bike and we'd take off and my mom would say, be back for dinner. That's how it was at our house. I mean, we lived about uh, maybe three quarters of a mile from Salt River and I'd walk down there and go fishing. I'd walk. I mean, we walked everywhere. You didn't have to worry about nothing. I wish these phones never came along. All this new technology. That's what's wrong with this world today. I, I agree 100%. Matter of fact, that, that was another rant that I had. <laughs> when, when was that one, Bernie? That was, that was last week, wasn't it? No, or was it two weeks no, ago? Yeah. It two. It, it, if it were up to me, if it, weren't, if it weren't for work, Jimmy, I would throw that thing in the river and never see it again. That's I would me. Just, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll keep my computer and email if someone needs me, but I don't need the phone. Yep. I don't need Facebook. I don't need Instagram. I do kind of like Twitter for news, but... But uh, I, I I miss maps. I I, I used to I, I used right? to love looking at maps. Yeah, yeah. We used to be riding along and had that big atlas in the car. Yes, yes. The that best part of the really maps was trying to put them back together once you had them all the way out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally, though, I mean, this is crazy for the kids to think about, you know, because oh, we literally they don't even like, know like what we're talking about. No, my <laughs> parents literally would have a map on the table before we we drove to Niagara Falls just to see yeah. what was the best way to go. Exactly, I remember that. Yeah. So what? Let's let's go back to your dad real quick, and then we'll move yes. on. Do you, do you remember any specific conversations of things that you learned from him, like conversations that you had? Because because Kathy. Uh, her her dad was a uh, was was a a forward observer in World War II, right? And uh, I mean that basically was scouting back then, right? Because they didn't have drones and all the fancy yeah. stuff they have now. They literally had to send men to run across enemy lines to try and figure out what the hell they were doing and bring that information back, right? And she always wished that that she could have recorded conversations with him. Um, you know, of just some of those moments. But do you remember some moments of things that your dad has, has told you, like wisdom that he shared with you before he before he passed? No, I don't really remember none of that stuff. <laughs> See, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff grew up in the Midwest. He's not used to the kind of Southern male rearing that we have where it's well, speak when spoken to, and that's about it. Yeah, get yeah. over there and get busy. Yeah. We got to get this done. No, the reason, honestly, Bernie, I mean, I mean, that, that's funny, but the reason I ask is because, I mean, I, I, I love my dad. I have a great relationship with my dad, but, but, I, you know, I can't remember ever a time really, I mean, like my mom, anytime there was a significant conversation that needed to be had about really awkward stuff when it came to sex or girls or whatever, I don't really remember having any conversations like that with my dad. I uh, mean, neither. I mean, he'd wake me up and he'd give me a piece of toast and a glass of juice and away I'd go. I mean, that, that was, that was about it. And then, and then he worked his ass off and we, we appreciated yep. that. I mean, he'd come home at six, he rode the bus. He, I, I, you know, I'd be there at the bus stop to meet him. We'd walk back home We'd maybe shoot some baskets in the driveway. We'd eat and he'd go back to work. I mean, he my worked his ass off to support us. My dad done a lot of traveling when I was young. He, 
he worked on the Gulf of Mexico on oil rigs and he'd go to Indianapolis and work in the big factories up there. And he was driving from Indianapolis home, which is probably three hours. He would drive back and forth until one night he fell asleep coming home and he decided he better start staying there. But how can you drive six hours a day, work 10 or 12 hours a day, hmm. drive six, you ain't getting no sleep. Yeah. No. Yep. I think our generation was the last generation to actually grow up like that. And I think, oh, yeah. I think our generation, even though I didn't have kids, but Jeff, you, you guys, you guys can speak to this. I mean, I think our generation wanted to be more involved in our children's lives because up to that point, children were kind of, I mean, I think our parents loved us, but it was like, you know, you do, you know, here's what you do. If you've got any questions, ask me, but you do you, because I've got to do all this other stuff. I agree with you. Is there yeah. any chance that our parents were horrible parents? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you just let us go all day. No, they've done what a good job. job. They've done a good job with us. I mean, I, I think it's better to learn lessons on your own, though, don't you? Because someone, like for me, if someone tells me something, that doesn't do anything for me. No, you you're know? right. I, it goes one ear out the other. I kind of have to experience. I'm a tactile learner. I got to feel that experience myself. And I made oh, yeah. a yeah. lot of mistakes. Experience. Yeah. I've yeah. felt a few experiences, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bernie, I, I I think you're totally right on that. All right, Jimmy, as we wrap things up, let's uh, let's preview the 2023 season. So we are on the cusp of our very first national uh, coming up in Corpus Christi, and uh, it's it's you know it's it's later than normal. I feel like it's been forever since we've uh, been able to watch you guys compete at the at the literally at the national level. So what what are your things to watch? Uh, like we talked about, the game has evolved so much. I don't know what we're going to see this year. I, I had I actually had a really interesting conversation with Jackson Gore, and he said he's been scouting himself. He's been watching tape all from the last year, and he said, you know what? I need to put more bags in the hole. And here's a younger player that's saying that. I don't yeah. know what we're going to see this year. What what, do you, what are you expecting out of this year? Uh, I don't know. I just hope you see more of me and Damon. <laughs> <laughs> Tells me You're gonna know. see more of me and Damon. We we make we make a good team. Absolutely. Has Damon felt any pressure to change his game at all? Mm, no, I don't think so. I think he's just been concentrating on you know getting the feel of these new bags and getting you know doing a lot of practicing with these new bags. But I think he's found it. He's we kind of have a little difference in the bag there. I, I think he likes the psychos and I like the vipers, but I can throw them and he can throw mine. So we're, we'll do all right. By the way, Damon Dennis, you know, we had a show, what, a few months back about trash talk and certain players that talk a little bit. Damon Dennis should actually go down as one of the great trash talkers of all time, <laughs> but he does it in the nicest way possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tells you how great you are. While he's sticking it to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, man, you're so good. Sorry about another four-bagger on you. Man, you're throwing great. There's great two more players for me. Yeah, God, I love it. Is that, distract is, that, is that distracting? Does that play with your head at all, Jimmy? I try not to listen to him. <laughs> I try to, hey, it's like, it's like toning the tray out over there. You just kind of block it. Yeah. <laughs> Bernie, you are so right, though. For those who don't know, when you play against Damon Dennis, it's it's constantly, oh, great shot, great. Man, oh, you are so bag. good. Oh, I, you I can't so, even believe. Yeah. How am I, I going to win today? You are. You are. <laughs> I, 
and he beats you 24 to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. All right, one last thing before we wrap things up. i got about a minute left. Give, give me your thoughts on teams. Um, again, that's going to be your first in Corpus Christi. We're actually going to have two nationally televised teams broadcast. Um, you are not on the Kentucky team. At least last mm. I knew there's been so many trades. I don't think I don't think you are. I think you're on the Chicagoland team. So you're actually yep. going to be ha- having kind of a rivalry matchup if and when you guys play play the Kentucky team. What are your thoughts on teams? Hey, Kentucky's going down. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, trash uh, talking already. I'm, yeah. I'm interested. I, I'm I'm. I mean, this is going to be interesting. I, I think I'm glad I'm not a captain this time. I was a captain last year, and I'd rather play than be that captain. Well, aren't you pretty upset at your Kentucky captains for not picking you? Oh, sure. I, no, I understand. <laughs> I know how it is. I know how it is when, you know, last year I, I let my partner go one round, and I thought I'd get him on the way back, and that didn't happen. Damon took him. <laughs> Yeah, the draft is hard. It, it yep. really, it's it's not easy to do. So. No, it's not. Well, I think it's gonna be good for the sport. I'm excited to, especially with the I regional teams. Yeah, yeah, having having cities involved with the with the regionalization of it, I think it's gonna be good. So, yep. well, hey, Jimmy, congratulations on the start uh, to the season so far. We look forward to seeing you down in Corpus Christi. I'll be there. Thank you, I'm guys a man. for having me on. All right. See hey, you later, Jimmy. Oh, 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 there it is. Hey, 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 Mark will be proud. I'll make sure yeah. that I send him that clip. <laughs> All right. All right, Jimmy. Thank we'll you see guys. you. Yes, sir. Oh, good guy. Do you Absolutely. like my idea? With, with We need to do an old man podcast. I'm telling Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I, I look like Santa Claus. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this. <laughs> You're perfect. Yeah, you already got the costume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, there. I'm ready. <laughs> yep. No, I wanted to call it 50 50. I thought that'd be great. Like, you know, it's perfect. I don't know, just you actually like 30... still look like you're 40 years old, though. It's already. T- oh, thanks. got the full head of hair. You know, I showered. It's, I, I shower on uh, Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Whenever we do this, it's the one day I shower. <laughs> if you had seen me an hour ago, you'd see my gray beard. All right, we got to go. <laughs> All, right. All right. I'll see, I'll see you later. All right, man. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Bye.